This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Uh, my name is Kevin Gallagher. I am flying solo today because my Oxford-educated partner, Kevin uh, Bradley, is MIA, MIA, doing some other work for himself. So uh, I get to run a show by myself today. So please don't expect much in terms of lines of production value. I'm going to do my best to get through this thing and get right to the root of the matter. Uh, but today we have a very special guest, someone that's a good friend of mine that's in the Central Florida area that I've met quite a few times and trained with. Before. I don't think we've ever trained before, but I've, I've met you before. I've been we've been yeah. on some competition days together before. Um, Mr. Jim Ayers, uh, he is a former UFC fighter. He is a current bare knuckle boxing champion, and he's a very avid Wagner Rocha black belt that competes quite often on the uh, jujitsu circuit. So. Thank you very much for, for coming in while you're getting massaged, like to choose the celebrity that you are, get it through the interview for me. Thanks for giving us your time, man. Oh, man, for sure. I just somehow, I for, I'm not somehow, I just forget things all the time. And of course, <laughs> I'm book myself. You're good, man. I, I we we can knock this thing right out, brother. I I, I kind of like this. I feel like I'm uh, I feel like I'm talking feel, to like 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 somebody major, man. <laughs> I feel comfortable here. Hey, bro. As long as long as you can still talk, as long as your 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 brain is still functioning, we'll be able to get some information out of you, man. <laughs> so, what's going on, man? How's life? What 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 have you been up to, man? You got you got anything coming up for the bare knuckle boxing? I know you, I know you got a fight you're trying to put together. I saw somebody was kind of kind of man. So so yeah, you know, I was supposed to um, fight um, a few weeks ago, actually, but my my boxing coach ended up getting COVID, and it's not like MMA. I don't have 20 other coaches. I have one boxing coach that I work with that I've been working with since I started bare knuckle. It's not like you can just pick up the, the um, yellow pages and find a bare knuckle boxing coach. Right. You know, so I, I couldn't work with him. Um, so right there, I only had four weeks notice for the fight. It was supposed to be for the title finally. And um, I ended up having to pull out. They give the title shot to someone else. So now it's this whole big deal that, you know, I just, don't believe that he's a champ in my eyes. I think in many people's eyes, this guy's not the champ. He has two, two fights in bare knuckle where everyone knows that he needs to beat me to become the champ. So it's been this whole thing right now. So hopefully him and I get to go at it. Louis Palomino, he's a big, uh, big guy in Florida. South Florida has been around for a long time. Um, Sound name sounds familiar. Yeah. He was an XFN champ. I know that was around uh, Tampa for a while, but, yeah. um, so yeah, so him and I should be going at it for the for the title soon. But um, other than that, man, I've just been been training, man, trying to stay active myself. That's cool, man. That's cool. So tell me a little bit. You you mentioned about having a hard time, or just just not a lot of bare knuckle boxing coaches available for you to work with. Tell me a little bit about some of the strategical differences and some of the stylistic differences in particular in your training and in your strategy uh, when you go into a bare knuckle boxing match as opposed to a, uh, a regular boxing match or an MMA fight? Yeah, so I feel like the way I go in is a style that 
I, I used to have in, in MMA, you know, uh, in MMA, if you watch some of my earlier fights, my, my stand-up was not great. I was just honestly a wrestler who had some jujitsu and I was just tougher than a lot of people. And right. um, I would just come at you though. And I would barrage you with just punch, many punches just so I could take you down, you know? But um, now I've put technique in, in that and I feel that's the style that I, that I want to bring to, like, I wish if I could bring it to MMA, I would bring it to them where now I have better technique and I'm just throwing with a lot of volume. And in, in regular boxing, it's easy to just put your gloves up and block, but with, with no gloves on, you know, if you're coming from so many different angles, it's, it's very hard to stop that. And that's just what I've been doing is making sure that my cardio is just insane, that I can just go these two minutes nonstop, nonstop. They're only two minute rounds. So I'm just going nonstop, not even sitting down in between rounds, you know, because right. I just want to keep my, my heart rate up there. And keep I'm just that going. momentum flowing. Do yeah. you, um, in, in, in terms of your punching, so you, you talked a lot about the idea of throwing uh, volume as opposed to, you know, I guess more power shots. Is there a strategy that involved with the idea of the fragile nature of your hands sometimes that you have to pull a little power off the punches just because you're worried about harming harming your hands because you don't have gloves on? Yeah, you know, I think as I go on, this is a learning process for probably everybody right now in the bare knuckle circuit trying to figure out what, what works, you know? Um, my first fight, I went in there and knocked the guy out in 40-something seconds. You know, um, the second fight, I go in there and – uh, now I, I go through the first round, you know, don't knock them out and knock them out in the second round. My hands, I start to feel, you know, at the end of each fight, it's a little bit more swollen than the other. So, um, I do believe like just more, I throw more jabs now, you know, jab, 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 boom, power, you know, uh, just trying to keep that hand out there, not throwing too much, but only when it opens up. Right. Yeah, it, it's in in particular. I think when I mean, just my opinion. You know, when, when you're when you're talking about not wearing gloves, just like you said, the ability for you to defend yourself is way way less. It's, it's you know, MMA is one thing, and then you know, you get boxing because you got the big gloves on, where they're they're almost as important for defense as they are for you know for actually striking. Right. Um, and then secondly, you know, you go to MMA where well, the gloves are a little bit smaller, but they're still there. And then you go down to to, to no gloves. Where it's yeah, literally I, there's nothing to defend yourself with. Yeah, I believe that the gloves in MMA aren't really to to defend yourself from from punches, but more just to protect your hands. Yeah, from when you're punching, you know, um, that's that's really I feel what they're there for. Do you? I mean, do you work? In curious, you know, for for your head movement type principles, I got a little boxing background too, so I, I teach boxing. I, I know I know a thing or two about boxing and the, and the strategy and stuff behind it. Probably um, no more than I do, man. I bet too. Yeah, man. ain't nobody punching me in the I, fucking face for eleven. So I, I you you, you get the real deal. Yeah. Fight. <laughs> right. Do you do you do you implement more like of a head movement type position for your uh or or strategy? For your defensive so, purposes, simply because you can't block. Yeah, I really, I mean, my go-to if I when I, when I was thinking about who would have a great style for Baron Alco, I was just thinking Mike Tyson, you know, like cover, covering up, coming in, bobbing and weaving the whole time, and then just co coming at just these angles, you know, trying to get people. Yeah. You know, I I utilize the clinch a lot more. Obviously, you can't clinch in boxing, but that's just as my way of throwing how he threw those power hooks. I throw, I clinch up, and I just uppercut body head use that i use my wrestling a lot man yeah I, that's, 
I train wrestling still multiple times for for these box bare knuckle boxing fights because um, I I really feel like Greco work and clinch work is is big in it, and I use it. And I tire people out with it. Yeah, that's 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 interesting too. And that's that's a that's another thing that I mean George Foreman was famous for that. Like when he when he came back and fought in his later years, like he would just hang on people. Ali did it really well too. You know, just tire them out. These make them carry your weight, hang on their head. So now, instead of thinking about trying to punch, you're thinking about getting this guy off of me. And now, when you include the the addition of being able to return fire with those clinches, uh, you know that that clinch work has a double edge. You know, you can tire somebody out. You can also clip them in the face while you're while you're holding there and getting some good power off of the shots. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your time in the UFC, man. So, so you fought in the UFC what about three, four years ago? I think it was. Yeah, man, it's already been four years. I believe. Wow, man, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. How do you how do you feel like uh, that work in the UFC has progressed your your insights and progressed your confidence to be able to perform well? at other events. And I say that in this regard, like when, when you make it to the big show, you know, you did something and I don't care what anyone else to say. If, if you can fight in Bellator, you can fight in one, you can fight in all these other organizations, these little local organizations become a champ, one of them, but you never really do anything. I mean, I don't mean anything, but you've never really made it until you make it to the big show. And the UFC is the big show. Do you feel like getting to that point has and boosted your confidence to the level to believe that you can, you can accomplish it. It's almost like an arrogance or a chip on your shoulder that comes from that. Man. Yeah. I think um, if when I, I remember coming up and most, most of the people that I see saw get into the UFC, especially from like around my area, they got in through the ultimate fighter or something like that. And um, it was, it was crazy. Cause I feel like I was one of the first people to get in, in like the central Florida area that actually had to like, I was 13 and one. With eleven finishes, I believe before I got you, had, you had to you had to earn that shit. You didn't just get yeah, fucking. Was, you didn't go on the TV show. And yeah, I had to really like get myself into that, and um, it was it was tough. But I realized I feel like I fought and been around the world. I've done I've done so much that um, now when I go compete in jujitsu or it's just it's fun now to me. You know, this is the pressure is gone, and I'm just like, all right, now it's time to just have a good time. This is this is what I've. This is what I worked so hard for that I, I don't care if I if I win or lose, you know. Uh, yeah. But I, I want to have a good time, and because of having that attitude, I think it's gotten me so much further in my in my career that way. Just the wins start coming now when you're just more confident in yourself. Yeah, man, it's 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 a weird thing, man. Like it's it's I it's hard to explain to young fighters because I I I believe that I have somewhat of that idea myself again i never made it the ufc but i've done some pretty cool things in in the world of jiu-jitsu that allow me to have the confidence to believe that i'm i can hang with the big boys you know what i'm talking about? i'm a little bit old and i ain't got as much as i used to blah 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 blah. but i believe that i could go out on the mat and, and and hang with anyone they put in front of me and the reason i believe that is because i put in the work and i broke through to that next level and i've been on them big stages well enough to give myself the confidence to be able to believe that I can be there. And it's very difficult for me sometimes to explain to young fighters that idea. They're like, oh, man, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I just look at them in their eyes, and you can just tell that they don't really get it because they're still afraid. And you don't get it until you get there and you get it. 
You, you don't you don't understand what it's like to be that guy until you get there and you are that guy. Yeah, I think um, I think and his doing that is just being active. You know, um, just trying to whatever chance you get to compete. I know nowadays it's it's just it's like everyone wants to do a super fight. I mean, if it's not a super fight, they don't want to do it. Almost people don't want to pay to compete in jujitsu anymore. And I got to that point. I remember when I was in the UFC, I was like, oh man. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm in the USC now. I, I don't, shouldn't have to pay to compete in this. And I realized, man, I stopped competing. I was only fighting my one, my one UFC fight every year or something like that, because, um, you know, you don't get to fight too much, um, when you get there, unless you're just a hot thing. But, um, so I like stopped competing and now I'm, I'm trying to compete in everything, everything I can, you know, and super fight or not tournament. I'm just trying to stay active and, I think that just gives you that confidence, win or lose. Okay, I, I just, you know, it's just become second nature to you to compete and be on the mats. Yeah, man. You know, I'm a little old school myself in 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 this respect, and I think of a lot of times of the new world in which we live in, in 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 terms of social media and building your persona and your presence and you know your 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 status before you've actually done any work. Um. What do you think about that, man? I, I you know, and, and I mean that again in saying like I see so many guys and so many young, particularly like jujitsu fighters or MMA fighters that are out there trying to make their big name and blowing themselves up on Instagram and blowing themselves up trying to get sponsors and are pissed off that they're not getting paid big money for fights and things like that. And I look at them and I tell them, Well, like, bro, like I don't care how many Instagram followers you have, like, dude, you haven't done anything yet, you haven't won anything yet, you haven't gone out there and proved yourself and like how does how does that how does that relate to you? No, I I mean I tell people that all the time. You know, it's it's very weird when like these guys they they're super excited about their fifteen and zero amateur record, and I'm like, man, when when I started, we we didn't have amateur. I had to I had to learn on the go. I had to go pro right then and there. You know, um, and I'm like, you know, you can go twenty and zero amateur, but guess what? As soon as you go pro, you're gonna make the same as the other guy who went zero uh, and five amateur. Uh, right. right now, the amateur circuit in, in MMA isn't as prestigious as as boxing per se, you know. So, right. um, I see these guys they they're they're showing up like amateur belts and everything, like they're like they're world champ, legit world champions. But um, I guess that's just getting humbled. I guess you know it'll take it'll take them going into the the cage and realizing, oh shit. I really yeah. haven't done anything yet. We'll get in there against someone that's actually, you know, not just some amateur kid that, that you know probably shouldn't be in there in the first place. You know? Yeah. I I see that I see that all the time, and it's and it's one of my my biggest pet peeves. And again, like I'm not just even talking about in in um in, in MMA and in jiu-jitsu. I'm talking about like I'm old, man. I'm talking about coming up old in in the old professional boxing circuits. And I would always say to myself, like you watch these young guys and they go out and they win, you know, two or three pro fights or they get a shot on ESPN or something like that. And and like immediately they turn into this larger than life personality. And and normally across and then there's exceptions to this obviously, but normally across the board, that is just the 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 recipe for disaster. It's like bro like don't forget like you you don't forget the work you put in to get to this point and now think you just have it all coming to you because you're here and you're this godly figure man i i that this that's the killer of more young fighters than i think i've ever i've, I've ever seen uh too many times and then they leave their coaches 
yeah. they, you know, and then it's just like we're all of a sudden they're on a downfall and they're like, what what happened, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, fighters, yeah. fighters don't get things, man. It, it, and as a coach, it's one of the hardest things for me to kind of it's like it's like being a parent, you know what I mean? Like you get your kid, they start to grow up, and like you're telling them all these things because I hey, man, I've been there, I've done all this dumb shit, I made all these mistakes, but they're not gonna learn it that's, until that's they the, learn it. That's what that's where I try to help them the most as a coach is it's like, listen, these are the things that I did that I really feel you shouldn't do. You know, like right. let's 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 go this better route, you know. Believe me, I've done it all, I've been in it for a long time now. I can say that I'm like one of those OG guys now you know i've been in the game for a while uh so but there you always have them but i think the only way they can learn i guess is going through the fire and then realizing that they made the mistake yeah man it's it's true man even even teaching like technical things like i'm even even if you're thinking about uh stuff like you know a jujitsu a jujitsu practitioner like I, you get a blue belt right and you're, you're teaching this blue belt and you're trying to tell them hey man don't do that you know this isn't going to work and they just look at you and they do whatever they want to do anyway and you're like all right whatever and then like a year from then or two years from now when they're doing the thing that you told them to do, you actually show them to do. And like, they realize that it works and they still don't even realize that, Hey man, it's like, they kind of, they, they kind of discovered what they found on their own. And in reality, I've been trying to <laughs> shove it in their face. <laughs> the time. Exactly. Right, exactly. It's, but coaching again is, is, is one of the most thankless freaking, uh, you almost have to be like a proud father that just kind of shakes his head and goes, man, you know what? I did that. Even if he doesn't know I did that, I, I had a little part in that. Yeah, that's the that's the only thing you really can do. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about about your jujitsu because I know I've been following you on 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 Facebook and Instagram and, and and your social media, and you've been looking pretty actively to get any comp any competitions you can under your belt just to try to stay active because you like to keep keep motivated, particularly now in this COVID time when it's hard to find a find things you do. So what do you have any, do you have any jujitsu matches or any jujitsu uh, super fights or anything you're trying to get, get involved in to, to, to make something like that happen for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think on the 30th, I just got booked for one against um, Jose Caceres. I think it's going to be down here. I think it's called combat grappling, a new, a new organization. Yeah. Uh, I think Gilbert Burns and Hebert Burns are putting it down. Yeah. Well, um, that should be a fun match down here, but um. I mean, I'm just trying to really stay, stay, stay active. Before, before I got into MMA, actually, I was like really into jujitsu. My my original goal was be a jujitsu world champ, you know. And um, as a purple belt, I went to Abu Dhabi. I won the Abu Dhabi trials, um, and then I found MMA and just kind of, kind of stopped, you know, and kind of got out of the jujitsu circuit for a long time. I came back, and everyone's um, playing footsies, so <laughs> I had to just kind of relearn. A lot of stuff and um you know in the beginning i, I would get cat caught here and there in a hero hook and um it just motivated me to keep keep pushing learn more and um now i feel i i have good defense a good offense i've won i've won a match or two even with heel hooks and um i'm just i just want to get going i want to get going i want to compete at these bigger bigger events so if anyone's watching i mean i'm, <laughs> I'm here i'm ready Let's let's get going. Hopefully, we can get you a little bit of exposure. Not that you would need exposure. I mean, you're a pretty damn big name. I don't see why why promoters wouldn't be knocking your door down to put you on a big major event. But 
let's uh, maybe maybe we can get some things. I, I may have I may have a little insight for you here or there to get you on a, on, a, on, a, on a few cards. I'll see what I can do for 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 an old friend of the show. But do you do you find that sometimes competing in a in a jujitsu match is a bit of an emotional letdown in regard that you know when you when you when you're doing MMA you're doing jujitsu there's there's a real chance of like serious harm for you you know you've got you've got a hard hard road to run when you're doing a uh, a jujitsu or a, an MMA match or a bare knuckle boxing match do you feel like you don't get the same kind of rush or high from from going back down to a jujitsu match um no man i still i still have a good time in there you know i my goal is to go in there and get the finish and when i don't you know then i get kind of upset about it same thing i would as a fight so um it's it's all it's all the same to me combat jujitsu jujitsu mma bare knuckle arm wrestling dumb wrestling that that competitiveness is is what i'm looking for <laughs> Yeah, but she, I, I I agree with you on that regard, man. Like I I don't I if you're a competitor and, and you're trying to get better in any means, learning how to compete is 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 a particular skill set. No matter what you do, and I don't care if you're playing checkers, you're playing freaking uh, basketball, you're fighting in a cage. Like you get better at learning how to win, and that's a skill set that 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 carries you through to the to the next level. Right, I need to make that feeling just ordinary. You know, I don't want it to feel out of the normal to to get the way i want hey this is this is what i expect every time out of myself if it doesn't happen that's just it's it sucks for for that moment but hey i'm i'm coming back harder no matter what it is and i'm yeah, gonna figure out sure. did you um so let's let's talk a little you talked a little bit about um taking a little hiatus from the competitive jiu-jitsu scene and focusing more on your mma and then coming back and trying to deal with the new leg locks and all the other things that are developing from that game. How do you feel about coming from, from obviously I know you're a Wagner Rocha black belt, you're a fight sports guy, and they're definitely toe the line of that more traditional pressure, you know, old school advanced position type jujitsu game. How do you feel like, or what are your thoughts on the modern style versus the old school style? Um, so in in the beginning, you know, I was I was all like, um, "Oh man, you're you're attacking my my feet. That's cheap," you know. And I think it it took a lot of just convincing of just me training it, you know, and and realizing that it was more of a fear. But so I've had two ACL surgeries because of heel hooks, ACL meniscus surgeries because I I I wasn't um, aware. You know, I didn't understand it. And because I was uneducated, I hurt myself. And I think coming back, and especially everyone everyone doing it, and I'm just tapping right away, tapping right away. And they're like, oh, I barely had it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to risk it. It made me feel like like dumb in a way. You know, like, oh, man, why don't you just take the time to learn this? And it was it was hard because it's almost, it's almost like a I – don't, I don't even call what I do anymore jujitsu. I grapple. You know, it's a we're doing a mixture of so many different things, and um, you know, so it was hard to like kind of relearn again. But um, I like it, man. I like I like think it's I think it's um, more exciting, more ways to finish. Um, I I guess I would stop doing it before because I didn't felt like it benefit me for for MMA. I, I didn't like being on the in the bottom going for footlocks. I felt like I could get punched in the face or something. But I mean, Ryan Hall's doing it awesome. And MMA, so um, it could happen for sure. 
Yeah, Calvin Gasson just got finished with a with a heel hook. Yeah, yeah. The, the other night, he did did a horrible job of escaping that heel hook. By the way, oh, I'm like, I mean, I, it's, I, it's crazy because you see that the low level. Yeah. That that some of these, I think, and that's what got me through MMA too. A lot of times, that my jujitsu level was just um, a right. lot higher than a lot of these guys. They they they're good in jujitsu, some of them, a lot of them, but it's more like anti jujitsu. That and then if they get put in something that they haven't seen before, they're like, "What is this?" You know, and that's when they get caught. Jiu-jitsu just has a particular ability to make you think in so many different directions and so many different strategical manners when you're fighting. And it, it, it's there's I don't think there's anything else in the arts of martial of MMA that really puts you in that psychological level. Like getting your black belt in jiu-jitsu is such a trial and such a it, it changes you in so many ways and challenges you in so many ways physically and more importantly psychologically and i don't i don't think there's any other tool that gets you more prepared not like you say i think wrestling's you know one of the more valuable techniques and but obviously you got to learn how to strike but jujitsu just gets your mental game stronger than any of those other arts oh yeah after wrestling when i found jujitsu i was just like man this is like wrestling 2.0 it's like I can wrestle and all those potentially dangerous moves that I couldn't do before. Nice. I can do now. I love this shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's cool, man. Did you did you find it difficult to uh, to start to incorporate the philosophies of leg locks? Because I saw you go for a hook down in Substar, so I, I know you know your things about your heels. You almost finished that kid, but like, <laughs> do you find it? Do you find it? Did you find it difficult? to kind of rewire your brain after already getting your black belt to start to think about how to incorporate the leg locks in their lower after games into your overall strategy? Yeah, especially, I mean, a lot of my jujitsu I used to do was in the gi mostly too. So it was, it was, I would do like gi jujitsu, but fight MMA, like barely right. train no gi ever. Only time I trained no gi is when I was doing MMA. So it was really weird. Like this, even like being like, Oh, I can attack. I've been missing out on what did Dan Harris say, like on 50 part, 50% 50 of the body, you know? So I was like, man, I only knew half of this jujitsu. I'm like, I'm not a black belt. In my mind, I was like, I'm not a black belt. I, how, how can I um, say that I'm a black belt if I only know how to attack the top part of the body? So I, I was just like, man, I got to learn. I remember, and then Wagner would put me in them, put me in them, put me in them. And I'm like, tap. He's like, no, man, I'm not tapping. Figure out how to get out. You know, he wouldn't crank it. Those are the best people to train with. Yeah. Your coach is not going to break your leg. And if they do, you have a shitty coach. I don't know. Wagner kind of scares me a little bit. I've rolled with Wagner before, man. <laughs> Believe me, man. I'm I'm scared a lot of times, but he takes care of me, man. He's he's he um helped me out a long way, man. Just because he'll hold it in there and I'm like, he's like, nah, man, just figure it out. Um he's like, there's a way out, figure it out. I'm not gonna crank it. And I'm like, all right, so we slow things down, you know, and then boom, speed it back up. So um, he definitely helped me. Everyone over there, man, they're they they're getting good at it. Wagner, you know, he's like crazy hard to submit with those with the heel hooks. That's what that's what he's like the kryptonite to some of these guys. Do you do you think is you know I, I watch a lot of competitive jujitsu. Sometimes I want to freaking stick a freaking <laughs> pin in my eyeball, but I watch a lot of of of, of competitive jujitsu. In particular, I talk about some of the young up and comer guys that, unlike yourself and myself didn't have to kind of relearn leg locks. Like I didn't start doing leg locks until like I'm deep into my brown belt. You know what I mean? I didn't, and, right. and based upon that, I had already had a predetermined strategical philosophy towards my jujitsu game that I had to rewire because now when you're doing leg locks, these leg locks 
enter enter into sweeps and other things and defenses and you know you know they chain together in a completely different manner. And you, first of all, you still got to learn how to freaking do the damn things, right? <laughs> but you see these young guys that, and we could talk about the same philosophy in that regard to points matches, to points grapplers versus submission only grapplers. Like there used to be that time, like where you were submission only grappler, you were points grappler. What you notice now, and particularly some of the young guys who are the future of the sport, is that they have become complete grapplers because they started in an era when both of those things were prevalent with the points matches and the juice in the and the submission only matches and the uh sub like leg locks. So what you're seeing is guys that now attack, attack, attack for submissions, but are also still very aware of understanding how to maintain positional awareness of jiu-jitsu and winning takedowns and things like that. What do you think about what do you think about that? That's a big long question, but I don't even freaking tell me what you think. <laughs> Man, I think um these this new this new genre of, of of kids coming up that it's it's so awesome to see. I mean I'm I'm very um pro America and everything. So it's it's very cool to see these Americans. Not that I have anything against Brazilians or anything. No. Uh, but they, you know, they've run this sport for so many years and it's kind of cool to see. I mean, jujitsu really be started becoming big in the United States, like in the early 2000s, you know, it was around, but it started becoming big, you know, around, around then. And it's cool to see these kids when, when I first started jujitsu back then, like that were kids now are amazing, you know, where they know, they know a little bit of everything. They, they realize like, Hey man, I should wrestle in in high school also. Um, and so to have that, they've, they've been doing jujitsu since they were five years old. And it's just amazing to see them less just like blossoming and taking over, taking over the sport. You know, I love every time I see an American world champion, I'm just like, man, hell yes. You know, we got, we got we're, we're coming up and it just shows the evolution of the sport more than anything. So here, here's another here's a lo, another another question on that same vein. I, I'm always just curious about people's interpretations of this. Do you believe that the modern style takes away from the self defense martial arts aspects of jujitsu? Because a lot of old heads will, will jump on that on that boat. Man, so sometimes sometimes I I go back and look at these um those old school self-defense things and i'm like that's crap's not gonna work on anybody but but maybe it's because like my mind is just way way more advanced maybe it will work on somebody who doesn't know anything. i don't i don't know but um i think i think it doesn't i think it's still it's it just there's always a way to go you're going for the kill still you're going for those submissions you know to put people in positions that make them uncomfortable and I think it's I think it's still the same. I'm I mean, would I pull guard in a street fight or anything? Probably not. But but if I fell on the ground, I like I've I've seen it one time a basketball game, someone like put a heel hook on somebody and was broken play. So I mean it's it's it works, man. It works. Yeah, I I, I agree with you that too. And like I always I always use the example is like, you know, we, we have to come up with these new and creative and innovative ways to try to fix trick each other because both of us know jujitsu. Like we both know like jiu-jitsu at a very high high level so when you see competitive jiu-jitsu and competition jiu-jitsu those guys are training at a different level where they have to do creative and new things to, to trick each other and where from the work like when you're in a, a street fight against a civilian like you're not going to have to go down that far 
down down the well. It's going to be, I'm grabbing you, putting you on the ground, taking a mound or taking your back and putting you to sleep and you don't even know what happened. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like having a superpower. Right. I mean, definitely when, you know, I used to work at the, the bars and stuff back in Orlando for a few years and everything. And that stuff, the amount, the little bit that you need to know that you can use to, to hold someone down or it's, it's like, man, this is why police need to train. You know, I think, you know, get the blue belt level, get the blue belt level. I think it should be a a mandatory right there. And then, then you got it. Yeah. I, I, I I watched so many of these videos and I I wrote articles about this. I've had cops on and talked about it too. I've watched so many of those videos where, you know, the guy at the gas station with the windy, like two grown cops. Like, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, how did this happen? How did that happen? Like, why it wouldn't have to revert that far down the road, down the line. Like, I've got 14 year old kids that train at my gym that could have subdued that guy on their own. It's crazy crazy to see how horrible these guys are trained that they can't, that they have to resort to situations where now they're in life or death and they're concerned for their safety. You know, whatever. I don't want to get into that debate. It's a tough job being a police officer. I know some of them are pricks and some of them do the right things. But unfortunately, if they were better trained, I think we'd, 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 we wouldn't be talking as much about guys getting shot. because we just, Yeah, that's why, I mean, I definitely take my hat off to those. That, I mean, we know some badass cops, you know, that, you know, high-level black belts and still put in the time to train and make sure that they're, you know, in shape and ready in case shit does go down. Right. So let's, I, want, I wanted to ask another question to you because you talked a little bit about how during your MMA career, you trained almost exclusively in the gi. Like you did a lot of gi training during your MMA career. And, and, and there's always this debate amongst, uh, you know, particularly like my young fighters that come in and say, well, I don't have time to train the gi because it's worthless for my jiu-jitsu because I want to fight MMA or I'm going to fight no gi, so I'm not going to train the gi. I'm of the opinion that, jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu like I'm, if i'm training the gi i'm training the no gi i'm still using my mind and manners of jiu-jitsu like my gi game and my no gi game are almost interchangeable in that regard at this point tell me what you think about gi training for mma i mean for me it just felt when i when i had a fight coming up i would i'd love to do gi and i would say man if i can get out of these moves where where someone can literally grab me still for extra extra friction and everything then it should be way easier in, in no gi. And that's how I would do. I would, I would do the gi without, without grabbing their gi. I'll let them grab me, try to choke me and everything, but I would try to do it too without using when I had fights. And I think it helped me, helped me so much. Um, it's funny that every time I, um, sometimes I have kids that don't want to do, um, gi and they'll be like, Oh, can I do no gi with you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, Hey, but you can't grab my gi though. And, they always, they, everyone grabs the gi. They can't help it. <laughs> they can't help it. Yeah, that's a tough one, too. I, I agree with you in that a lot, too, man. Like, I, I, I think about gi and I think about no gi, and I think about the idea of when you're training in the gi, just like you said, because guys can grab you because there's friction with the cloth. Like, you have to learn to do things correctly, particularly in your escapes particularly in your ability to get away from someone trying to do you harm. Because when you're a no-gi, like, and again, I don't like to say that guys that train specifically no-gi don't know jiu-jitsu or, or vice versa. I don't I don't like to have that debate because I think if you know jiu-jitsu, you know jiu-jitsu. And I think if I took somebody in no-gi and said, here, put this on, like if I took a high-level black belt and put it in no-gi, they'll be a slight adjustment, but they'll figure it out in no time. Exactly. But – 
the idea is is that you know when you're training in the gi, you're training to do things correctly because you can't use that athletic force and that athletic explosions to yeah, too, athletic too many times you can just muscle a lot of things and no gi. Yeah. You know, um I do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, but the thing of it is is like, you know, I'm an explosive big guy too, and I know I have it there. But I also like to learn to do things right. You can always know you got it in your back pocket. You always know, hey, if I have to, hey, okay, yeah. cool. That's real sweet. Let me just ch- check this out. <laughs> but it's cool to learn to do things right. So let's move on, man. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some more MMA stuff because I, I, I in particular, I want to talk about some fights coming up on on the horizon that are particularly interesting. Maybe one big one, and I'd like to get your opinion on it because I know you'd have some good insights on it. What do you think about the potential of a Khabib Gagey fight on the horizon? Man, um, the I think if there's anybody, people don't realize that Gagey has pretty pretty awesome wrestling too, right. and and pretty good defense. You know, I don't think he's been taken down too many times right. in his career, and he's just dangerous. He's dangerous in that pocket that Khabib needs to get into, so. If Khabib does take him down, and I think if he drags him past the second round, I think Khabib will probably continue to just dominate him, probably tire him out, use his weight on top of him. But I think um, I think Gaethje got has this one. I think um, people started have been trying to starting to pay attention more and more on his style and just how to. That's all everyone's doing. Anybody who's a contender, they're training to beat Khabib. You know, so I mean. I'm, I, I like it. I love that he's a, he's dominating with wrestling. You know, I'm a wrestler at heart, but, um, I don't know. I think Gaethje has this one, just his, he was just ruthless in his last fight against, um, Ferguson, man. It was a beauty to see. I'm surprised again. I was very surprised on several occasions that they didn't stop that fight. Than they, than they <laughs> did. Like they gave Ferguson the champions nod, but like, well, man, he took way more damage than he needed to take. He was just getting clobbered by how do you by how do you feel as a coach there? Now, you know, I've been I have my school now for two years. I have, you know, some guys that have asked me that question, like, what would you have done? And I'm like, man, I would I would have stopped it. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I understand, but I do understand that man, when you're not in it and you're done, you're done. It's not yeah, really it my- was it was very clear that um, the fight, his fighter had that, that you know Ferguson was wasn't going to win the fight anymore. It was no longer no longer capable of winning that fight. His heart was still telling him to go forward, out of you know out of just blindness. But there was no power on his punches anymore. He was just taking unnecessary shot after unnecessary shot from someone that hits so hard. I've told my corner, you know, especially being in bare knuckle now. I'm like, listen, I know myself. It's not, this is not like MMA. They're giving me eight seconds to get up. I'm going to get up every time. I'm like, so if you see me like getting hurt, I put my trust in you guys. I have no, um, I have no like remorse if you you end the fight for me. If if you really feel, if you feel it, it needs to be over. Yeah, man, I, 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 can't express to you enough how important that is. And this is another reason why when I see referees take trash for stopping fights too early, I just say, you know what? So be it. And the reason being is because, you know, people that are on the outside looking in, 
they don't really realize the dangers involved. And sometimes fighters, when they're watching fights, you know what I mean? They get hyped up and then and they want to believe, just like you said, they've got their fighter's heart. But people don't realize that this is a sport where people can die. You know, this isn't football. This isn't soccer. This isn't basketball. You know, this is a war where people were throwing punches at each other's faces and kicks and strangles and looking to break arms and breaks necks. And the number one priority always have to be the safety of the fighters. And I think it's partly the referees, but it's also falls very heavily on coaches to make sure that they look in those guys' eyes to think they can still go and say, man, no, you know, you're fighting. You know, you you shouldn't have someone fighting if you don't know them like that, that you can look at them and know that they're done. What do you think about, uh, now we're on this topic. Why not? We'll bring it back up again. What do you think? Are, are you familiar with, with the Drysdale incident, Robert Drysdale incident, when he when, when yeah, his so quit on the that, school? I feel like that up? could be a little bit different, yeah. you know, in the sense where um, I didn't watch the fight, from what, but from what I was told, he wasn't, like, getting beat up or no. anything. I, I heard he was actually doing pretty good. And I think um, he was just trying to be like, man, you're tired, and it's all in your head on that one. Um, yeah. So. That's that's a harder situation. That's that's was, more of the fighter giving up on himself. He was still in the fight, like he still, and, right. and it was the third round, and he wanted to quit on the bench. And our, I think he was the 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 rounds were split, or in the in the idea. Yeah, when close it was a close fight like that, I mean, yeah. unless he's telling me that he's hurt in some way, right. or his I, eyes like, are freaking swelled shut. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, man, you're you're, you're tired, man. That, and that, and if you want to quit because you're tired. That's on you right now. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of what, what Drysdale was, was was alluding towards. He wasn't saying, no, you're a bitch. He was saying, you know, look, dude, like I don't think that this is the place that you can fit. And I'm telling you as your coach and as someone that cares about you, knows about you, that in six months from now, three months from now, two weeks from now, you're going to regret quitting this fight because you could have won. And this is what and you look, worked your ass on. This is what you're hard for. And it happened. They cut him. Yeah, exactly. And dude, Robert Drysdale is, you know, fuck, he's a, he's that guy's the gold standard, brother. And then nobody, nobody's gonna tell me Robert, Robert Drysdale isn't right. isn't doing the right thing and looking out for his, looking out for one of his fighters. When that thing, when the whole thing went down, I was like, come on, man, this is really kind of silly. People just don't get it. People see a fighter says they want to quit, but they don't understand the nuanced emotional and and, and yeah. And, and, as soon as I saw that, I got messaged after me. What would you do? What would you? I'm like, I need to see the fight. Yeah, you got to see it, right? I'm like, I need to see the fight. That's what it's, I would say too. When people tell me, what about this? What would you do about this? Well, you know, I, I can't make a real decision on it because I didn't watch the fight. And I'm not even just saying watching, like, the little clip of the video. You got to watch the entirety, watch the whole thing to find out whatever, to get to get the general idea. Well, that's cool, man. You got a few more minutes? You want to keep talking? You got another no, 15, yeah, 20 minutes? Yeah, let's do this yeah. thing, man. I got, I got a couple more things I've jotted down on my little creepy little <laughs> notebook here. Prepared. Yeah, I wouldn't say prepared. <laughs> more more like a maniac just right scribbling and writing things down. Let's talk uh let's talk Mike Tyson uh Roy Jones Jr. for a little bit, man. Let's talk about the expectations for the hype versus the reality of what you think might happen. Man I I became a big Mike. You're on the spot today, Bubba. You're, I'm 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 I'm, I'm I, making I'm making I'm asking you the I, tough questions. <laughs> I, I became a big Mike Tyson fan um a couple of years ago. I read his one of his books, and I was just like, man, this guy's had a crazy life, you know. And it's just kind of cool to see the turnaround that he's made in his life, you know, because he was really like on rock bottom, you know. Um, and it's just 
cool to see him back and training. And I thought it was a joke, you know, at all the whole in the beginning, like, oh man, I'm coming back. Or maybe they just, I thought people were just making a big thing off to see him, him training. And I'm like, maybe he's just training to stay in shape, get back into doing something he loves, you know? But um, I don't know how excited I am about the fight because I, I feel we, are, we all are going to think we're going to see this savage of Mike Tyson. But he, he said it himself. Yeah, he said that sometimes he, he cries and gets and because he knows that that killer is not there anymore. And that's all he used to be. <laughs> that's, that's funny, man. He, you know, he, he, he pretty much flat out said that, you know, this is for charity. This is yeah, an opportunity, so, you know, to, to do some too little good. I hope, I hope that it's, um, I don't, I don't know. I've never, honestly, I don't know how an exhibition match will go. I know it's supposed to be like a glorified sparring match. But I, I mean, who's who's gonna let their ego, um, let them take the loss on this one? So I, I right, don't know how yes, and that's the thing. Like, it's still two world class champions that don't want to lose. Now, I have I've read a few articles that that talked about the uh, the rule set, and they they're saying that the referees have been advised to not allow things to escalate. They're not supposed to be going for the knockout. Which is odd because, like, think about the idea of Mike Tyson and really Roy Jones Jr. being points match points fighters. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. they're both knockout guys. It's it's that's gonna I, be interesting to see. I mean, I'll probably watch it still. Though, oh, I'm still sure. gonna watch. It's fucking it's Mike Tyson. Of course, I'm gonna fucking watch it. I'll pay. I'll pay. Like, I'll pay me, 60, get, bucks for it. Get me on that undercard. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No shit, man. Like. um like, you know, it's it's still Mike Tyson. It's still going to draw a crowd. There's still going to be people excited to watch it. There's still going to be people that want to, to tune in to see what Iron Mike can do and, and what it's all about. And, 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 and they still, in their mind, they still believe it's going to be this massive, massive event. But I just, in my heart of hearts, I really think it's, I don't think it's sad because, again, it's Mike Tyson. Fucking A, bro. I'm going to see Mike Tyson it's, in the fucking ring again. It's, it's crazy to me because I, I never even – I never even watched boxing. I never watched anything really. I used to grew up watching WWE, WWF at the time, and um, I think the most of Mike Tyson I saw was when he went in there and it went in a WWF match or something like that against <laughs> or something. And um, I got into boxing more um, towards the end of my MMA career, just because. I just wanted to branch out and do something else. I'm like, I want to have a boxing match one day. So I started watching more boxing and everything. And it's it's crazy how much of a science it really is. Yeah. Way different than MMA. Way different than MMA. It really yeah. is, man. Like it's 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 like I, I teach boxing and I coach boxing and I and I have gotten to the point where I don't even like to fucking teach it anymore. I miss <laughs> teaching it simply because I have a good knowledge of the sport inside of me. And I would like to continue to pass that on to people right. because I, you know, I have something to offer, but it's so goddamn annoying. And you have to have such a special, special person that will want to really learn the beauty and the science and the, and the, what do they call it? The, the sweet science that, that that's, is boxing. That's a, yeah. That's just the crazy part is just like the angles and, and stuff that, that you have in boxing that I'm like, man, that's, repetition and I'm, but you got to think like maybe maybe at one point we were like that with jujitsu you know or yeah like, but it's like do i want to do that <laughs> well the, di the differences that i find between jujitsu 
in boxing or this is that like jujitsu yes jujitsu is is completely on another level of 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 mental game right but the idea of jujitsu is is there's such a large array or catalog encyclopedia of new moves and positions that you have to learn that you don't ever get bored because you can just say ah i'll screw, screw around with this for a little bit come back I'll to it it and move on to something else the problem boxing is there's only there ain't a whole lot to it. There's, you know, four or five punches. You know, there's some head movement and, right, and angles. Yeah. It's understanding how to to have a true mastery of all of those things and incorporate them into your strategical approach throughout the long haul to figure out how to put the power and the weight of your punches that that makes it more difficult Works. because people just think, oh, I should have this down in, in a fucking in six months. But think of how long it took you to get your purple belt, your black belt. You know, I, I what's crazy is that I started using. Um, I, I, when I went to Colorado, I visited Dwayne Ludwig's and I really liked his style. And so I would use a lot of those in bare knuckle, his combos, because his combos are kind of long sometimes. Like I'll throw kicks, but instead of the kicks, I'm just throwing the punches instead. And it just keeps me put out volume. I'm like, two, three, two, 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 one, 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 two, two, and in my head while I'm throwing. And it just helps with the, with the volume. Yeah, that's um, interesting, man. I think, so I think from what I've seen, most boxers in bare knuckle, they have to do too well. It's different. Yeah, different. yeah, it, it is. You're absolutely right because there, there, it's a different game. It's a very, very different game. Palomalnaji, like it, when yeah. when you start holding them and throwing punches, it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. This is this is odd. What's happening? How come I can't just use my footwork and maneuver he and slip around? A, he lost to like a C level fighter. Artem's yeah. like right fourteen and sixteen or something like that. Right, exactly. So. And he got he got pulled up by Artem. Artem was very yeah. yeah. Artem's a beast, man. I like I like watching Artem. I like watching Artem fight. I like I like his style. I just I just he just has a really cool. He's got cool, quirky, quirky little head movement. And he throws those punches real fluidly. He kind of he 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 melds together his defensive work with his offensive work in a very good manner. He gets hit a lot, but it's fun. It's fun to watch the way he ties it together. <laughs> anyway, man, I got I got one more one more question for you because I remember having you on. Um, on the old man graph hour podcast. And we talked a little bit about, about this idea. And, and it was something that I thought was, was, I don't want to say specific, but something that I, I kind of gave you kudos for is uh, maybe you can impart some wisdom on some other young fighters. It's, you know, you, you figured out a way to do pretty well with your money throughout the course of, 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 of your, of your fight career. And we talked a little bit about how you were able to put money, money away and, and, and put yourself in a position to where like, you know, Fighting was great, but you might not really even need to fight. You're just doing it because you love it. Obviously, money is money. You don't want to get paid. But like, you were able to put yourself into a position to where you're not looking out of desperation to jump in the ring. You're doing it because you really love it. And that's one of the sadder things I think I see in fighters because you know the fighters you, you maybe you make a hundred grand two hundred grand a year, which you know you think you think you're on top of the world when you're 25, 26 years old, and then you know five years from then you're broke because 200 grand really ain't that much money when you think about it and they end up having to continue fighting longer than they need to because they keep getting paid tell me give us some insights and some of the things that you can maybe get some advice to some young fighters in that regard for me one of the biggest things i did was you know i didn't rely on fight money even from the beginning you know i always had a job that that um was like okay this is for my training i i can pay my bills you know, uh, I didn't I didn't do a lot of extra things because from the from the moment I started like getting into MMA, I was like, OK, I want I'm going to be in the UFC, you know, and 
um, I didn't have time for partying or anything like that because I was like, I'm, I'm dedicated. Not everyone does that, you know? Um, yeah, I, whatever. I, I didn't want it all the time, but the majority of the time, I was just training. And so the money that I would win from my fights, I didn't blow. Too many times like, you see this. These guys win these fights. They have the after party. They're, they're just blowing money. They're blowing money, blowing money. Don't look at that money as um, as bonus money. Look at it as like, man, I'm, this is the time to put this away. Whether it's $500 in the beginning. I think my first fight, I made uh, 300 bucks. I don't remember. Something, something ridiculous. But even then, you know, I put that away. 300 bucks, you put it away. You make the right, the right investments with it, the right movements. Right now, it's so easy to do stock and everything, too. Back then, it was a lot harder. Um, talk, talk to people. There's a lot of educated people out there, YouTube videos, um, to just learn and educate yourself on, on financial freedom, really, you know? And I always, every time I had a fight, I just, all right, this is extra money. I, I'm going to live off my everyday work money. That's what it's there for. Don't look at it as, man, I just got a big bonus. Let me spend it now. Let me go buy the car I don't need. Or, you know, buy, go to the, go to the um, club and get bottles. Um, too many times it happens. And we see so many of these guys. You know, there's a lot of guys that have, have been big names. And they're, like you said, they're broke, man. They're broke now. Yeah. I see it, you know, boxing in particular is one of the sadder things. And it's one of the things when I, one of the things when I heard that Mike Tyson was coming back, I got sad thinking to myself, oh, Mike, come on, bro. You don't need the money. We're going to get you in a big fight. And, and, and you know, it's, it's going to be sad to see you as a shell of the person that you were before. But you see it a lot with, you know, fighters that just they need the money and, and they don't really have any other life skills and they have to just continue fighting and they just look horrible and you, you wouldn't remember them as the great warriors if they were not these guys that are just chasing a paycheck. A lot of times you'll see guys that, man, this guy used to be a prospect, you know, and right. Now they have like a 500 record and they're just, they didn't, they didn't think about anything else. Man, I, the same time I was fighting, I was going to school too. I was like, man, I, I'm going to have a backup <laughs> because God forbid I, I get one of those. It's, this, this is the sport that it's so easy to get an injury that just totally ends your career. Um, so you need to, you need to think about all of that coming into, into the sport like this. What do you, what do you think about, you talked about those guys with the, that they were prospects that now have a 500 record that are still chasing that dream. Like, what do you think, when, when do you think is the time to have that tough to skip discussion, that tough conversation to realize like you're beating yourself up for something that's really not worth it anymore. And like, you know, it's okay to say, Hey, you know what? I just, you know, things didn't go my way. I didn't have what it took. I, I just can't make it to that next level and I need to move on with my life. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think people, I don't know, they, they, some people just like that, that being the spotlight for, for 15 minutes, even if, even if they're getting beat up for 15 minutes. Uh, it's, it's weird, but, you know, I've, I've, I've known people like that. And I'm like, man, why do you, why do you keep fighting, man? It's like, oh, I, I love, those people really love it sometimes, you know, too. They, they just love it. They love, they love, I, I'm, I'm sure they can't love losing and getting beat up. But I think they just love that that 15 minutes of fame that they get, you know, whether it is winning or losing, I guess, you know. That's um, funny. I, I never thought of it that way, but that's that's a good yeah. point. I think I think they need to see other other outlets that they can can have, you know. I think, man, look, go go compete in jujitsu. I love that they I love that they're doing like um, these pro jujitsu matches, you know, sometimes and giving these guys opportunities to to compete, you know, whether it is, you know, honestly, in in a pro jujitsu match. 
some of these guys are making the same as as these pro pro MMA fighters at the regional levels, you know. So I mean, that's it's awesome that they get to do that now at least. And Wagner, Wagner's doing pretty well, man. Doing these big super fights, man. I talk to him all the time. He's like, I don't want to fight MMA anymore. I get to, I don't got to get punched in the face. I'm making money doing jujitsu. Yeah, and back, you know, Wagner was like a fight away from getting back into the UFC again, too. And yeah. yeah, he was just like, you know, what? forget that. I don't need it. Man, I can't tell you how much I love that guy, dude. That dude, I, every time I talk to him, every I see him, I just, he's just just such an awesome, awesome dude, bro. Just go, go, go all the time. He's one of them dudes. Just look at you, and he's like, I'm gonna do this, and you're just like. That motherfucker's going to do what he says he's going to do. <laughs> well, Jim, man, I think I took enough of your time up, man. I, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. Like, this was a, a great interview, and, and, and you're a good cat, man. Like I said, I've interviewed you before on the Omen Graphic Hour, and I know you personally. I've met you quite a few times. We have some Facebook correspondence, and I, I just think you're, 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 you're more than just a great fighter. Like, you really have a good head on your shoulders, and you, and, and you really, like, understand life at a worldly level. And I just think you're an awesome dude, bro. You just, it's, it's, it's refreshing. I guess I, you know, lots of fighters are always good dudes. It's just the kind of a thing, but it's refreshing to see someone that's kind of the, the complete package like yourself. It's just, you know, just a happy dude, happy warrior likes to do what he does. Man. You're going to make me blush. Man, we got, <laughs> we got a train. I got to, I got to head over to Tampa, man. Tampa is, is a far drive, but, yeah, I gotta, I up, gotta, but um, it, I'd love to come train today. Yeah, whenever you want, man. Whenever you want. You got anything you want to plug? Any sponsors? Anything you want to talk about? Um, man, I got Healthy One. They hooked me up. My supplements try to keep me healthy. Hydrolife water. Um, use that water at my gym. Use it every day. I became bougie. It's the only kind of water I drink nowadays. But um, and of course, my gym, Allers Martial Arts, guys, located in West Pine. Come check it out. Cool, man. Well, uh. Yeah, man. Once again, on our part, uh, go check out No Judges Needed at nojudgesneeded.com. Get your apparel. You can use JJT, the promo code JJT, and get 25% off your first order. Um, and other than that, man, you know, I think we're going to call it a show. Jim, thank you so much. Uh, Jim the Beast Ayers, UFC fighter, current B, uh, bare knuckle boxing champion, and uh, looking for some uh, super fights in the jiu-jitsu world, so in the jiu-jitsu community, jiu-jitsu promoters, man. Get Jim on your get Jim on your damn card. He'll sell some tickets for you, man. He's promotable. Look at that dude. Look at his, look at that pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you. Yeah, man. I've been uh, Kevin Gallagher. Next show, I'm sure we'll be back with the two of us, and you won't have to listen to me talk so much. We'll have a a real professional to run things. But uh, I think I did a pretty good job. Right? I did pretty. I did all right, Jim. I got through this thing, right? <laughs> I like it. There it is, man. The Jesus Times Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time, man. <laughs>